So we continue in our study through Ephesians during ordinary time, looking at the themes of the inward journey of spiritual formation, where the Holy Spirit is transforming our lives more into his image, into the image of Jesus Christ for the purpose of the outward journey of joining God on mission for the sake of others. Some of you know that Dawn and I planted a church in London, England in the year 2000. Kara was born in 2002 while we were there. And the fingerprints of God were all over this part of the story of our lives. Uh, But that really is another story. We fell in love with Greenwich. We fell in love with London. We fell in love with England, the culture and the diversity of the urban city where people from all over the world lived. And we lived down the street from the Greenwich Park and the Millennium Dome where some of the Olympics are taking place right now. And Dawn and I felt that the Holy Spirit told us to raise up this young, gifted couple within the church and let them take it over. And they were born, they lived there in Greenwich And we did just that. We poured ourselves into them, and they took over the church. We passed the baton over to them, and we moved back to the United States. And we deeply grieved, having left our friends and left the church that we planted. We left the culture. We left the country in which we fell in love with. So after a few years being back in the United States, we knew that it was time to go back for a visit to see our friends and to worship in the church. And even though we bought plane tickets and we made plans, we kept this a secret from Kara because we didn't want her to go. No, 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 that's not the reason why I'm just playing. That would have devastated her. But we did keep it a secret and we were very happy about this trip. Don and I were about to explode, but yet we kept it a secret. We kept it a secret for several months, and we wanted to let it be a surprise on her birthday. And in her birthday card, we put a trip to England certificate, in which she was overwhelmed and she was blown away. And suddenly, she had been let in on some very good news that was no longer a secret. The title of the message this morning is, The Secret is Out, because that's what's going on in the passage that we are looking at in Ephesians. Paul is letting people in on a secret which was hidden for ages and generations, and Paul himself is to be the one to take this news all around the world. This news was very good. It's the mystery of God's love, the divine conspiracy to make all things new, one person at a time. This special relationship between God and the Jews is now open to everyone, Jew and Gentile, all who trust in Christ, are transformed into something new, and they become part of the body of Christ, the church, the new creation. And this week's text, it opens up in verse 1 with Paul beginning a prayer, but immediately breaks off into a detour. 
And it does not pick up the prayer again until verse 14. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about Paul's detour. Now, I certainly don't use the term detour to indicate the wrong path or a less than important path. I am just stating exactly what is going on in this text. However, what he talks about here is enormously rich in meaning to our fellowship of Jesus Christ. Paul was in jail because he had taken up the calls of the Gentiles, the outsiders. And the plan of God's grace was given to Paul to pass on to the Gentiles. And Paul had special insight that came from God, revealed to him, and it was a secret. But Paul says this wasn't made known in previous generations, but it has now been revealed. And what might have looked like a strange new idea was in fact what God had in mind all along. God had a purpose for his worldwide family right from the beginning. And he had hinted that there were developments that were yet to come. And the law and the prophets talked about the coming promised Messiah. And particularly we find this in Isaiah. And this was part of God's unfolding salvation history. The salvation of God was always known, but it was not in its completeness. However, now it has become complete in the person of the work of Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians, Paul is letting people in on the secret, and he is the one to take the news all around the world. Paul has become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to him through the working of God's power. Now, I want to briefly draw your attention to verse 2. Our text says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And even in verse 9, it talks about the administration of this mystery. Now, if you were looking at different translations this morning, you would notice that different translations use different words here. But basically, it means stewardship. In other words, Paul was given the privilege to be a steward of God's grace and to make known this mystery. Now, we're going to come back to that a little bit later. Paul goes on to talk about the secret. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of God all their lives, insiders and outsiders, they stand on the same ground before God. And they get the same offer, the same help, the same promises in Christ Jesus. And that the message is accessible and welcoming to all people across the board. And you could see the same thought from Galatians 3 verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Last week, Bishop Todd talked about how Jesus Christ broke down dividing walls. And of course, that was from Ephesians chapter 2. Christ has destroyed the barriers that people build between themselves. And because these walls have been removed, we can have real unity 
with people who are not like us. This is true reconciliation. We are all one because of Christ's death. And who are we to build walls that Jesus Christ destroyed? In our Romans passage this morning, it says that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And there are no longer outsiders, but welcomed into the story of God. God has unified us through the cross, the church, and for a purpose. Paul says in verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. If any of us this morning feel like a least, or we feel like our role is minor, I want to remind all of us that we are in good company. Our feelings of inadequacy should be a continual daily reminder of how much we need God. His grace, his empowering presence to live and to follow him. You know, one of my favorite passages is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26-31. And it says this, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him And it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So if any of us this morning feel foolish, insignificant, weak, lowly, least, and despised, We are in good company because these people that God uses to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. You know the reason for that? Is because people like this know that it's all about God and not themselves. God does not use people who are arrogant and full of themselves because they get all the glory. But God uses people who are humble, that realize their dependence upon him so that he gets the glory. As I said earlier, God has unified us through the cross as the church and for a purpose. And as we can see in verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. N.T. Wright says this, the heart of the present passage in verse 10, which is one of the New Testament's most powerful statements of the, for the reason for the church's existence. The rulers and authorities must be confronted with God's wisdom 
in all its rich variety. And this is to happen through the church. Not through what the church says, as vital as that is, but rather through what the church is. Namely, the community in which men, women, and children of every race, color, social, and cultural backgrounds come together in glad and faithful worship of the one true God. The rulers and authorities, they create societies and they build structures and they live by values and principles other than the kingdom of God. And the church is to be, by the very fact of of its existence, a warning to them that their time is up, an announcement to the world that there is a different way to live, a different way to be human. This is what Paul is referring to in verse 8 by unsearchable riches in Christ. Or another translation says it this way, the king's wealth. He's talking about the richness of this new life, the new way of being human that has now been unveiled in and through Jesus, living life according to the story of God. Verses 12 and 13 says this, in him and through him, Through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, for you, which are your glory. Once again, the theme running through Ephesians, God has broken down walls, destroyed barriers, bringing reconciliation and peace through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Therefore, we have freedom and confidence to approach God through faith. All these rich benefits should mean that the church can look at Paul's imprisonment and suffering without worrying or being discouraged. He is suffering precisely because he is pioneering a new way of life that challenges the sovereignty of rulers and authorities. He's challenging the ways of the world. And he is experiencing suffering because of that. The fact that he is in prison and suffering is a sign that the way of the kingdom is advancing. As a mother endures the pain of childbirth in order to bring new life into the world, Christians are called to take up their crosses and follow him. That is, being willing to suffer and have pain because our existence as the church, the way we live, the story that we follow, the gospel that we communicate confronts the ways of the world. Right before Paul ends his letter in chapter 6 with his final greeting, he says in verses 19 and 20, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
And as he says in 2 Corinthians that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, God reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their sins against them. But he has given the message of reconciliation, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. God makes his appeal through us, inviting people to be reconciled to God. In our gospel reading this morning, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And the king sends his servants with this message. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. This morning, we're called to be his representatives, to be his ambassadors. As Bishop Todd has said many times before, listening to others is not compromise. But it could just be one of the most loving things that we could do for someone. And in time when we love well by listening, they will begin to ask us questions which will give us the opportunity to share about the life changing good news of God's love. We're called to be on mission with him. We are servants and we are stewards like Paul of God's grace. I leave you in these next few moments to think about some of these very basic questions. Who can we pray for this week that needs to be reconciled to God? Who needs to be invited out for a drink, over for dinner? Who needs an encouraging email or card or phone call? Who needs us to lovingly listen to them? Who needs an extra dose of love?